So it's one of the favorite things. I've been in this church now going on four months, and uh, as your pastor, I'm always thinking, oh, I wonder how, 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 how it's going, and I just really look forward to the opportunity to talk to you about money. It's just my favorite thing in the world. Um, today's sermon, it, it, it is stewardship time. I really appreciate Roger and the amazing people in this church who work with the finances and their efforts uh, on the part of our resources for doing ministry next year. Um, I pray it's going to be a, a very successful campaign and that you will be a part of it. The sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's the continuing narrative of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and his conversations with these knuckle-headed disciples and these, these, these needy people who are reaching out to him. Um, and this one just happens to be about money. So here, listen for the Word of God in Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. <clears throat> Jesus was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandment, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around at his disciples and he said to them, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. And Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded. They said to one another, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and he said, For mortals... It is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say to Jesus, look, we've left everything and we've come and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there's no one who's left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now this age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields and persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think. So, so it is a time in our church life where we start trying to collectively gather our resources to prepare for the ministry we want to be about next year. Stewardship month. 
and um, you'll be receiving a love letter from me and the finance committee, and, and a pledge card will be. You know the drill, I hope. If you don't, this is how we do it. This is how we collectively talk about the resources needed for ministry. And so each week we'll be hearing from a different uh, member of our finance committee to talk to you about it. I want to talk to you about a trip I took in my 30s. Uh, uh, I went on a mission trip to Africa. And while I was on this trip, I met a young man in a village that I had to walk down a path to. There's no electricity in this village, but there, they had a little, uh, a little church out there, and we spread out, and the ministers, each one you know, picked a name of a village, and we went there to, to have church with them. And I met a young man in one of these villages. He was the drummer of the village, and he, he played his drum that called everybody to church. And uh, I was drawn to him because I was walking around. He was the only one doing something. So, so I kind of sat down next to him, and he really struck me as a person in tune with who he was and why he was there. He was very, uh, had a very peaceful presence about him, very joyful, very faithful. He, he loved having church and he loved playing the drum to call people to gather for church um and so i kind of connected with him and i sat there next to him the only english he could speak he, he kept repeating to me he says i know jesus i know love i know jesus i know he had a beautiful african accent i know jesus you know it was really i know jesus i know love I know Jesus. I know love. And, and, you know, and finally I said, yeah, yeah, me too. That's what we had in common. I know Jesus. I know love. See, that's about all we had in common. Partly because that's about all he could say that would help me understand what he was trying to say. But we did make that connection on that emotional, spiritual level where I had a sense of his love. For, for God and his love for me because I was a child of God. So he had that, that unspoken sense of love and he could speak those few words, but that was about all we had in common because, you know, he, he was a black African person. His skin was very dark. I was white and from North America. I was rich. He was poor. I had money. He had none. I was literate, he was illiterate. I lived in America, he lived in Africa. The only thing that I saw, he didn't have a cell phone. He, I don't know where he lived. They were all these little primitive. It was, it was really a, a stereotypic prim, uh, primitive African village with a trail, not a road that went to it. The only thing he had that I could see was a drum. It was one of these long, it was like made out of a log, so it was long, and you couldn't really carry it around. It laid up against another log, and I sat here. Well, that's the only thing that I saw that he had, and he let me play his drum. I, I got another story I'll tell you another time about that. But he, he let me play that drum, and we had a real joyful time before church uh, messing with that drum. And I'm telling you this story because I, I want you, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know love because ultimately that is the gospel. Know that you are loved. And I know that I am loved. This sense of the love that comes to me came from the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ.
I'm telling you this because I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know love. And even moreover, I want you to want others to know Jesus. I want you to want others to know what it is to be loved. You see, this idea of being loved, you, you think, oh yeah, everybody wants to be loved. But it comes to us hard. We don't come by it easy. It's not easy, especially according to Jesus. The older you get... And the more possessions you have, the harder it is to know Jesus and to know love. If you have a brain that works and you have capabilities, then it's harder for you to be on the receiving end of unconditional love. And I don't know why that is, but according to Jesus, because in the last few uh, sermons we've been hearing all about how children are the ones who get it and the adults don't right and here we he's talking about uh, it's it's difficult for for wealthy people for capable competent able people with possessions but it's probably less difficult for poor people and those who are needy <clears throat> one of my favorite poets is carl sandberg and he's a 20th century poet. He was big in the labor movement. And he had this real uh, capability of putting into words what it was about the poor. He was, he was kind of opposed to the wealthy. Some say he was a socialist. I don't know. But he could really nail what it was that the poor and the working class had, that assurance that they had, that seemingly wealthy people so wanted, but we couldn't get it. Uh, he, was, he wrote of the strength and the spirit of the poor and the working class and about how they knew the essence of all that they needed and the confidence that, that just in their ability they were going to be okay even though they didn't have wealth or possessions or security, but they were secure in that knowing of what they needed. And, it, and he called it love or connection, community. That's what they needed. Not the wealth, not the possessions. They needed that love. They needed that connection in his poem, At the Window. It's a kind of a rambling poem, but there's one piece in it that I just, I'm always drawn to. He says, <clears throat> Carl Sandburg writes, Give me hunger. Oh, you gods that sit and give the world its orders. Give me hunger, pain, want. Shut me out with shame and failure from the doors of the gold and fame. Give me your shabbiest, weariest hunger. But leave me a little love. A voice to speak to me in the day end. A hand to touch me in the dark room, breaking the long loneliness. In the dusk of day shapes, blurring the sunset. One little wandering western star thrust out from the changing shores of shadows. Let me go to the window, watch there the day shapes of dusk, and wait and know the coming of a little love. You see, the promise of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that you are loved. You are loved. Jesus will give you that little love that gives us what we need to know, to have the assurance that this wealthy man wanted. You all need 
that assurance. We long for that, that assurance that we would inherit eternal life and somehow belong to God and belong to one another. And all we need is a little love. But this love, it doesn't come from inside of us, okay? Or according to the Judeo-Christian God. It's a, it's a love that comes from elsewhere. You don't generate it yourself. It's this idea that love comes to you from beyond. It comes to you out of the darkness, Carl Sandburg, right? You know, it comes out of pain and, and grief and loneliness and the, the hard places of life is where it comes. It comes from the cross. He didn't say that. I said that. That idea that love generates out of the pain and the hunger and the loneliness, the helplessness of children and the poor. If you can follow me with that. Just a little love According to John Lennon and Paul McCartney, is all you need. Okay, so that's that's kind of how we can go home, sing doxology, and go home now. All you need is love. Um, but what must I do? The young man asked to inherit it. You know, all this. Okay, oh yeah, we're all in that. But really, what do I got to do? Because that's the insecurity in us. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He ran up. Did you call him a rich young man? Because he ran, I guess, because old, old, old rich guys can't run. So he ran up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, well, you know. And he gave him all the rules of Moses and the Ten Commandments, you know. And um, uh he said, oh, yeah, do that, do that, got that, can't, yeah, mm, all over it. And then Jesus said, you lack one thing. And then he gives him two things, which tells you it's impossible. And basically what Jesus said to him is you lack the humility and hopelessness of a child or a poor person. That's what you lack. That neediness that love that comes from elsewhere that you can't generate yourself. Eternal life cannot be purchased with wealth or attained by possessions. Eternal life cannot be uh, accepted or gained through good works or pious spirituality. Um, that peace which the wealthy young man was lacking was the assurance, he wanted to feel it, he wanted to know it, that he was loved. And apparently, and I think this is true with my own, children have a capacity to do that, you know? Even when we are ignoring them, you know, or hey, I'm busy right now, you know, they never doubt, They're, you know, I'm loved. The, the evidence might not even look at it, but they have this ability to just know that they're loved. See, being as loved is something that you, that you just... No, or you don't. And in the church, we have a word for this. It's called faith. You, you cannot generate this love for yourself. You cannot purchase it. You cannot attain it. You're not going to get a certificate or we're handing out Bibles to third graders today. Even that, we do a lot of things in the church where we remind ourselves to show ourselves that we are loved, but the truth is that sense that we're yearning for, we can't accredit it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. It has to come to us and we receive it by faith. <clears throat> It just comes to you. And I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to know love. 
I want you to want others to know Jesus and for others to know love. And it comes by faith. It's interesting to me that uh, in this conversation Jesus had with the young man, <clears throat> he went through a whole laundry list of the things that the, the church or the faith, the religion tells us to do. You know, honor your father and mother, don't steal, don't curse, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. Right? It's, it, you know, oh yeah, check, 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 check. So, so this is what, what we do because we, we, can't, we can't just get it ourselves. So we make these lists of commandments, covenants, promises, uh, pledge campaigns. We do all these things to remind ourselves, trying to prove it to ourselves that we are loved. Well, I, I don't, maybe it's not proved. The, the young man, the rich young man, wasn't trying to prove it. He wanted assurance. He wanted to feel it. He wanted to know it. And the answer is, that's impossible. You can't. That's what Peter said. Well, who can be saved? If you got it, I mean, knowing that your love is, is an act of faith, but this is what I want. And Jesus says, well, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And the rich young man said, oh. and he went away. And Peter, and Jesus looks at the disciples like you guys are looking at me like now, Ooh, you know, hold on to your wallet. And then Peter, who he's always the one that comes up, well, that doesn't make any sense because who can be saved if that's what it takes? And Jesus said, well, it's really impossible. You can't be. But you can be loved. And my favorite piece in this whole narrative, which is, you know, a lot of preachers have preached on this uh, eye of the needle passage, right? You've all, I hope you're familiar. Anybody unfamiliar with this image? Anybody? Young, you guys probably aren't. So it's, it's an iconic image. But in this narrative is a piece that's overlapped. Teacher, I've kept all these commandments my whole, my whole life. And, G, and it, then it says this really little short thing. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he goes on to say, you have to go and sell all you have. So that little, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't say, I love you, or show him, or wave his hands over him, or, or any. Jesus hadn't been on the cross. There had been no resurrection. Jesus looked at him and loved him like a child, like a needy person. But it wasn't coming easy to the wealthy man. See, it's hard to say this is impossible that people with possessions can't have eternal life and jesus said you're right you can't but god can god can with this with human beings it's impossible but with god by faith all things are possible jesus looked at him and loved him i want to tell you something now, Jesus, you know, walked the earth several thousand years ago, but he looked at you, wherever you are in your faith journey, and he loved you. Now, I know this, and I believe this, because I've come to hear the story of Jesus, and, and, and I know about the cross and the darkness and how that love comes out of this place which is seemingly impossible, but by faith I believe it. The only reason you inherit, inherit eternal life is because Jesus loved you. He loved you, he loved you, he loved you, he loved me. He showed us on the cross and with the resurrection what love looks like. Um, and you can't attain it yourself. 
You can't attain it yourself, but you can believe it. You can have somebody tell you that. Jesus loves you. And he showed us what love looks like. And he looks at you and he loves you the same way he looked at that young man. And, and, and of all these religious things that we can do, um, it is that act of faith and believing that Jesus looks at you and he loves you. And you, like my drummer friend in Africa, by faith could say, I know Jesus. I know love. I know Jesus. I know love. If you are in a place right now in your life where you, you maybe feel, I just want to know. I just want to, I want the anxiety to stop. I want the striving to cease. I want to just be assured. Then can you hear Jesus speaking to you, looking at you, and loving you? Amen. I do want to share one thing about um, church. Because what I just talked about is a very mystical thing over the centuries and, and Jesus looking at you and loving you. But singing and praying and worshiping and serving and being a part of the body of Christ and connecting to God's people in this congregation, in this world, in this community, these are all the things that I do to remind myself that I am loved, that I know Jesus and I know love. Of, of all the things I do in my spiritual journey, and, and I've you know, been on prayer retreats and I, I'm big into connecting with the God of creation through being in the out. I got, I, there's a lot of things in my life and in my journey that I have done to help myself grow in my knowledge and love of God. I hope you do too. You're, you're here today. That's why you're here today. You're doing this thing. But I will tell you that uh, probably the most uh, effective thing that I do that reminds me about Jesus' love for me and how I respond has to do with my giving, this, this wealth that I have. That, that giving to the church is the way that I put aside saying, you know what? I don't really need anything but to know that I am loved. And that's, that's why I, I like to give to the church. And once it's gone, it is, it is gone. I don't even think about it again. Because I want to have that sense that I don't really need that money. So this is what I believe uh, stewardship campaigns are about, is that you can do this with a sense of joy and there is a freedom. Ask anybody, how any finance committee members who've already given their pledge, raise your hand, I know there's some here. Yes, yes, yes. So if you talk to people, and people don't like to talk about money, but if you talk to people about giving their pledge, most people will tell you it's a, it, there's a real sense of freedom that happens once you say, yep, that's gone. That is, that is God's. That is God's. I, I don't need it. I just need to know that I am loved. <clears throat> As we close our time of worship, we can have the, the, the band come forward. I would encourage all of you, not only for yourselves, um, but in your spiritual walk, to 
be more childlike, be more impoverished. And know that, that God understands that if you have a brain that works and a body that works and you have means and you have wealth and you have money, and, and this, this is hard for us. It's harder for us than it is for children and than it is for needy people. Faith comes easier if you are a child. Okay, Faith comes easier if you are impoverished. I'm not impoverished. I have to work at my faith. I, and, and, and I do these things. And this is what I encourage you to consider. If you want to have that assurance that this young man that ran up to Jesus, it, it starts with, with what you're doing. Worship, pray, sing, serve, and give. So as we go from this place, that's the good news. You know Jesus. You know love. You want others to know Jesus and know that they are loved. What are we going to sing, Phil? We're going to sing about Jesus. What? No. Who knew? Let's stand and sing together.